Hi, everyone. We're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and my co-founder in Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that's designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Orgasm not climax, the orgasmic plateau, which is a huge hormonal health balancing tool. People always ask me, what's the one supplement you would take to a deserted island? I'd be like, probably just some lube. <laughs> if I could source my climax on, a, on my orgasmic plateau on a regular basis, I know that I could boost my immune system, support my skin health, support regular ovulation. All of those things come from the 8,000 nerve endings in your clitoris. It's the ultimate biohack. Welcome to Hormone Happy Hour. We are your hosts, Yasmin and Kea. In 2021, we started a company called Bia that's dedicated to empowering women to take control of their health and really understand their hormones. And in the process, we've learned so much from experts around the world, and we can't keep that information to ourselves. So here we are sharing it with the world because everyone deserves healthy and happy hormones and don't you let anybody tell you otherwise. Preach. <laughs> so Yasmin, what are you sipping on right now? So it's actually my new thing, surprisingly, is organic Earl Grey black tea. It like gives me a good pep in the step. It doesn't crack me out. And I'm just laughing because growing up, I'm Persian. My mom had Earl Grey like multiple times a day and I never used to drink it. I mean, honestly, I don't know how she was drinking that much because it's a lot of caffeine, but mm -hmm. it's like my new thing and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I think I read somewhere a while back that Earl Grey has natural antidepressants in it. Really? So it's actually like a very mood boosting tea. Interesting. I love yeah. it. Oh, I should drink more of it. Totally. So I am having my one espresso for the day right now. And interesting is that I'm in my luteal phase and the espresso is not hitting the same way it does during my ovulatory phase. So I actually feel like caffeine really impacts me in a negative way leading up to my period. And I know this information and we talk about it in this episode too. Uh, we talk about the effects of caffeine on your hormones, especially those struggling with hormonal imbalances. But it's always nice to just see the evidence. Do you ever feel the same way? Yeah, okay, 100%. I mean, you know, I know we both are like really busy with work and, you know, we're trying to incorporate more movement. And I'm also on my luteal phase. It's funny. I think we literally have the same cycle. <laughs> it's because of yeah. Bia. I mean, we're literally totally. super synced up with the new moon too. So I just think that's hilarious. Um, but still like I now track my period, but if I'm feeling a little off, you know, I don't feel as energized. I don't feel as excited to work out. I'm always like, well, why do I feel this way? And then the second thought that comes to mind, let me check what phase I am in my cycle. And I'll literally open up the flow app, which is actually Alyssa's. And we'll talk about that today. I'm a big fan and I'll be like, okay, I'm in my luteal phase. So I'm not going to have any judgment around it and just take it easy. But it's funny. My brain is still working through that thought because the first one is why do i feel so off what's going on and then the second is okay let me check my hormones so totally understand exactly totally and that is all what's going to be talked about in today's episode it's all about cycle syncing today's guest is alisa vitti she is a pioneer of the female biohacking space a women's hormone and functional nutrition expert 
She's a two-time best-selling author of Woman Code and In the Flow, both amazing books. Mm -hmm. She's the creator of the Cycle Syncing Method. And if you are a woman in your reproductive years, you've likely heard of this. That is what today's topic is all about, how to live in alignment with your menstrual cycle. She's also the creator of the MyFlow Period app, which we both use. And it's the first and only functional medicine period tracker designed to help users eliminate symptoms and optimize their diet, fitness, and time management according to their cycle. She's also a graduate of John Hopkins University and the in Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She's been featured in New York Times, Dr. Oz, Vogue, Forbes, and she's keynoted at South by Southwest, TEDx, and Summit. She's super impressive, and we got to learn so much from her during this interview. She has a very impressive bio. She is an amazing health expert, but she's also a badass entrepreneur. And what I respect so much about Alyssa is a lot of her work and what she's teaching us, especially in this interview today, and really actually all her work, is how we can optimize our life and how that impacts not only our personal life, but also our work and our business and our careers, which, you know, is something that can I love to talk about. So, you know, she talks about when's the best time to schedule certain meetings, what's optimal in our cycle. And she also talks about times where we feel more creative and introspective and how we can incorporate that in our work. So I love it. I feel like she gives so many gems in this interview of how we can just optimize how we show up in our professional lives too. What I want women to take away from this interview and from Elisa's work is that if you don't feel the same every single day, it's okay. Women's hormones are constantly changing and how we show up in the world will change depending on where we are in our cycle. Of course, huge fluctuations could be a sign that something's off, but if at a certain time of the month you feel a little more introverted and another time of the month you feel a little bit more extroverted, that's totally okay, and most women go through it. It's called the infradian rhythm, and we can actually use this infradian rhythm to our advantage, and Elisa will show us how. You know, this actually just quickly reminds me, Kea, before I kind of fell into this world of functional medicine and learning about Alyssa, I remember telling uh, my husband, Drew, I was like, you know what? I hate getting my period. I had horrible hormonal imbalances and he just interviewed Alyssa on his podcast. So this was like three years ago. And he's telling me how our hormones can be our superpower. And I was in such a bad point in my life. This is before Kay and I even started Bia. I'm like, that's complete bullshit. Like every month I feel like crap. I can't show up as my best self in business. And really, you know, when I, Alyssa was one of the first people um, that really opened my eyes to what, you know, things that I can do to fix my hormones, what, what our hormones are throughout the month. And it really shifted my perspective around this. So I was not a believer. I am now a huge believer to the point where, you know, Kay and I started a company around all of this and we're so passionate about education. So I just want to share that if anyone's listening who's saying, you know what, how can the, our hormones be our superpower? I'm struggling, you know, so many days in the month, but I just want to say I've been there before and I am truly, and I truly believe this conversation can be just so helpful for you if you just give up a shot. Amen to that. I think if you're listening to this and you're a woman, you're going to walk away feeling completely in awe of your body. And you're really going to understand how amazing women truly are. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Elisa. We are so honored to have you join us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. There is so much for us to talk about. So we're just going to dive right into it. Yeah. And 
You know, you coined the term cycle syncing years ago, and that concept of what women do in terms of how we eat, how we exercise, how we interact with the world really based on our cycles, really mind-blowing and truly changed my life and, you know, inspired a lot of our company that Kay and I started. So fast forward to today, you know, on TikTok and Instagram, it seems like so many people now are talking about cycle syncing and it's truly resonating with women all over the world. So we want to hear from you. It's founder, it's pioneer at its core. What is cycle syncing? So cycle thinking is the method that I created out of my research into the infradian rhythm and looking at the fact that we have this second biological rhythm that women don't know about that governs their 28-day cycle, but does so much more. It governs your brain function and your immune system and your stress response system and your reproductive system. And it just became really clear to me that so many of the reasons why 80% of women will suffer from a hormone imbalance over the course of her lifetime versus 20% of men really mm. came down to the fact that we as women were unknowingly disrupting this infradian biological rhythm and then having symptoms in our cycle and all sorts of other health issues. And so we were be performing suboptimally in every category you could think of simply because we didn't know about this rhythm and then we weren't caring for it properly. So I set about to create a methodology, which I called the cycle thinking method to help us support this infradian biological rhythm. And it comes down to basically synchronizing three things. There's three pillars to the method. You wanna synchronize your food, type and calorie intake with each of the four phases of your cycle. It's like I said, that infradian rhythm, it maps onto the cycle, right? We experience it over that 28 days, just like you experience the circadian rhythm over your 24-hour period, right? The second pillar is that you want to synchronize your fitness type and intensity with each of the phases of the cycle. And then the third pillar is you want to synchronize your sort of project management, life activities with each phase, right? And this is, this is sort of like your advanced biohacking stuff. But if you really just nail the first two, the food and the fitness piece, you really unlock um, your, your endocrine system's true optimal functioning potential. And so that you can alleviate PMS, help other conditions, you know, sort of speed their recovery, continuously keep blood sugar balance, which we know is massively important for everything, keep cortisol levels low, optimize your fitness as a woman, which is really important because so many women feel like they struggle with that. Yeah. And I love to talk about this because I've lost 50 pounds um, and maintain that weight loss forever. So I, I love talking about this. It is not about working harder. It's definitely about working smarter. And yeah, and I think it's also, um, you know, you mentioned that it's sort of this become this cultural movement. And it's true. I mean, when the book came out in 2020, the book is called In the Flow. When that book came out, you know, we just kind of got coverage everywhere and from celebrities and podcasts. And, you know, it was a media tour that I, I had not anticipated. So it took the better part of a year. <laughs> and uh, we now have sort of this cultural movement, if you will. There's like over 5 million women who are hashtag cycle syncing on wow. combined social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram. And I love that because what it signifies to me is that the thesis that I had in my mind was, was true, right? That we were kind of 
you know, picking at the crumbs of research that was only ever really done on men and postmenopausal women, hoping desperately that it might work for us. You know, that hit workouts and the intermittent fasting stuff. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to try it or keto or paleo. And hopefully I'll finally feel the way I, I've always believed I could feel. Right. And of course, we, as the biggest consumers of wellness, the wellness mm. industry, we've tried all the things, we've bought all the products, we've done all the diets and the fads and the trends. And how do we all feel? Are we getting better hormonally? Are rates of infertility going down? Are rates of PCOS going down? Are fibroids going away? Endometriosis getting better? PMS getting No, mm -hmm. it's getting worse, right? It's getting way worse. And so it, 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 I, I understand that we have this hunger for something that actually is designed for us. And I fully believe that the form of our self-care must match the function of our biology, period. Full stop, right? And so that's what the cycle syncing method is all about. You are matching and synchronizing your self-care in each phase of the cycle with what is needed by your biology, by your hormones, so that they all have a chance to perform the way they're designed to, which is to make you feel fantastic every day of the month. No downtime, no pain, no mood swings where you don't recognize yourself, no days where you feel like you're hitting your A game and other days where you're just dragging through. No, good all the time. Great. Good to great. <laughs> so that's, um, that's what it is. And I, I love that women are so excited about it because it is revolutionary. It is new. Um, and it's not often that something new comes along. And I think that I'm um, really proud to have written the first book about the infradian rhythm and to have created this method that is helping millions of women around the world to reclaim their hormonal health, but also to really step into their full potential in their lives. I love that. Um, I know I'm skipping ahead a bit, but something that you said really sparked something in my mind of this idea that a lot of women who are struggling with hormonal imbalances and PCOS and fibroids and different things like that will jump into a keto diet or intermittent fasting or some of these things that probably work better for men. They're almost jumping into something as a form of punishment towards their body. I need to restrict, restrict, restrict. But what you're saying is kind of quite the opposite. It's like, no, we need to bring certain things into our life to support just the natural flow that a woman goes through. And mm -hmm. I, and I, I love this so much more than that, like more restrictive mentality. Well, this is what's so insidious about gender bias in research, right? It turns us into, um, sort of accomplices in our own self criticism and self wounding without realizing it. Right. And so this gender bias in the research, basically it's from the top down medical fitness, nutrition research. It has decided to leave women in their reproductive years out of research. Right. So anything you've ever read that says this is good for you, mm -hmm. you've not been included in that research. Men have and postmenopausal women sometimes. If if there if there's extra funding, they'll include postmenopausal women. Most of the time, it's just done on dudes, right? And so, but then you you're sent you know flooded with messages. I think it was 2019. The it was all intermittent fasting everywhere in the wellness. I mean, just every article, every media outlet, intermittent fasting was the new gold standard, and every expert was touting it as the thing to do. Not one person was mentioning who the studies were done on, what age, what gender, and were there any differences between 
the results, right? It was just not being discussed. It was because the, the research assumption that has been made for all this time is that women must simply be smaller versions of men and therefore we'll just assume that they have a slightly more you know slower metabolism and so in order to kind of compensate if they just restrict a little more to your friend's point and work out a little harder they should be able to get the same results we don't know of course because we're not actually studying them but we're just going to throw this out as an idea Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia, and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com, and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com. And check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening, and now let's get back to today's episode. This should raise all, ring all the alarm bells, right? Because if it's scientific, none of that is science. Like that is the least scientific uh, sort of assumption ever, right? Because we know bio, biochemically men and women are very distinct. To just say that they're likely similar is nonsense and it's not good enough. We deserve so much more precision when it comes to what we're being recommended. So there's that. And I think that... Um, you know, I've certainly been on my soapbox for the past couple of years, just sort of calling out the fact that we need more gender inclusivity in our fitness and nutrition research. And any guys who are talking about health to a female audience need to be responsible about what they're sharing to say, hey, this might not apply to you if you're in your reproductive years, as opposed to just trying to sell them products that might likely not work, right? We need to be just, and then we as female consumers need to be taking our own sort of, you know, um, understanding at in to sort of the top level of how we're making decisions to make sure that is this something that's customized for me, right? So we have to be a little bit more discerning about who we're listening to and what we're doing. That being said, you know, I think we then need to do a little emotional healing, right? So this mm -hmm. friend of yours that you talked to, that she, the fact that she stayed on a keto diet to resolve a hormone problem that for three years that has not made a difference, let's just think about the emotional state of a person who would continue to do something that is causing her you know, discomfort, right? That feels like a punishment, that feels difficult for three years, right? To try to get a result. That's, that's a person who has been conditioned by this narrative that we have in our culture around women's bodies and research and fitness and nutrition that really, she's really bought into the, the mythology, which is that it's your fault yeah. 
um, because this, this is like she's an allowing this sort of abusive kind of dynamic, right, from the from this cultural narrative. Like, no, it's your fault. You're lacking the willpower. If you could just try harder, work out more, restrict more, then you'll finally get the reward someday. We don't know when, but if you keep doing that for yourself, you know, eventually you'll get there. I mean, we need to kind of own the fact that this has had beyond just the sort of health issues that it's created for so many women, it's also had a, a real impact on our emotional um, relationship with ourselves, our bodies, our just, you know, relationship with how we feel. And I think that we need to kind of take stock of that and, and be gentle with ourselves and jettison anything that feels like, you know, th those hard, strict, yeah. you know, kind of, trends. And then just look to our hormone patterns to give us the guide, right? Anything that says anything, whether it's a success routine for your mornings, which I love talking about, because it's like it, these narratives are dominated by male coaches, right? Mm -hmm. So if they say to you, okay, I'll, secret to success, wake up at 5 a.m., and then go for your morning workout and then do your deep work. And then like, da, da, da. I'm like, first I laugh on so many levels. Like one is, okay, what, who, who should be doing this? Because what, what, what testosterone pattern are we talking about? Right. And what hormone pattern are we talking about? A and B, where do you put your children? Who, who's taking care of the children? <laughs> this is my second thought is who's taking care of the kids while you're off gallivanting for your perfect morning routine. <laughs> and, you know, just three, again, it creates a situation in which women are set up to fail. Yeah. Right. And that's just not right. So I go into corporate America all the time and I talk about how do we bring biological rhythm awareness to promote gender inclusivity and equality in our team culture at work. Mm. But you can, you need to be bringing that into your relationship. Like if you're with some sort of, you know, biohacking life partner who happens to be male and they're like, okay, 5 a.m., that's our goal. Let's do it. We're going to crush a morning hike or whatever. And you're in your luteal phase and your levels of cortisol are at rest are more elevated and you need more caloric intake to keep your blood sugar stable throughout the day. There is nothing wrong with you educating your partner, not that it should be your responsibility. And I'm sorry that it still is and that this is just not a normal conversation we all are aware of. But until then, break out the MyFlow app, sign him up for the partner sync feature, and then just remind him, be like, oh, hey, I will not be joining you for that morning activity. You go do your testosterone peaky thing, and I'm going to do my luteal phase thing, and I'll be equally successful as you on my own distinct terms. Thank you very much. Right. And we need to feel the conviction of uh, understanding our biology in order for us to say that and live it. Yeah. As opposed to what a lot of women feel, which is like, oh no, I didn't get up early. I feel so bad. I'm already a failure. I'm so tired. I'm never going to amount to anything. That is why understanding the science of your hormones is so important because you will then never speak negatively to yourself again. And you can really, again, it's, this goes way beyond just feeling better in your body. This is about mm. you uh, being even in a position sort of orientation-wise to your life, right, from a psychological point of view, to, to feeling like you know exactly what you need to do to go in the direction of your dreams. And I fully believe that, you know, it's a bridge of science that you walk over to help you get there.
Wow, this resonates a lot with me because I think there's so many women, all of us here, even the women listening, we are look we are always looking to optimize our life and I think the narrative is wake up early, work out and you see your husband doing it and that was me and I remember my husband Drew was telling me you need luckily he's in the world of health health and wellness so he's aware of infradian rhythm and he was, he he had me on his show when my book dropped so he, he knows. <laughs> yeah, I mean you changed my life because I remember before he interviewed you I was like hormones are not my superpower. I feel like shit 4 days out of the month I had I used to have really bad PMS and you that interview really completely changed my life on how I um, have shifted everything. But going back to waking up in the morning, I think we're so hard on ourselves to be like our male counterparts, male friends and husbands. And it wasn't really until I you mentioned this, so I'd love for you to talk about it. You walk through why men's hormones are different than women. So you've talked about the cyclical nature of women, but if you could quickly chat about why men are the way they are, because once I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to compare myself anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like comparing apples and ducks. It's two yes. different things. Okay. Well, first of all, let me just sort of level the playing field as well, which is that there's an additional reality regardless of where you are in your cycle. Compared to men, because the female brain is more densely wired, synaptically speaking, you require 20 minutes more sleep to go through the cleaning mechanisms that sleep provides for the brain compared to men every day, any day, okay? So if your husband's like 5 a.m., you'll be like, see you 520, okay? Just never wake up at the same time. (laughs) It's not not good for you. (laughs) All right, so there's that. But from a male hormonal pattern point of view, they're cyclical too, except their cycle takes place in a 24-hour period and your cycle takes place in a 28-day period of time. So in the 24-hour cycle, men wake up with a testosterone surge. I was just talking about this on another podcast. I think it is relevant here. I recently saw Mark Wahlberg talk about his morning routine and he was going through it on, oh my God, who is that funny British late night, James Gordon. It was James Gordon. They were doing some sort of like, he was going to try to do Mark Wahlberg's morning routine, which was hilarious and and, uh, very, very cute. But it was, you know, clearly Mark Wahlberg has, you know, dialed in the fact that he wakes up super early to to be working out when his testosterone and cortisol are sort of like most active first thing in the morning. He's completely organized his day to then do his deep work um, and do social, you know, activities in the afternoon. So he's following this pattern. So again, it's testosterone and cortisol surge in the morning, then you get sort of another surge of that um, midday, then you start to have sort of a baby surge in the afternoon around three o'clock, and then you kind of fall off the cliff and testosterone and and cortisol really take their nosedive, which is why men love biohacking because they're like, how do I extend my concentration, stamina, and energy, you know, from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. when they really don't have access to that from a hormonal point of view? So this is why they like all the things like nootropics and upgraded coffee and other things because it helps if they need to do, let's say, other types of activity that are not natural to them at that time of day. What is natural is happy hour, socializing, networking, um, which is why corporate culture organizes happy hour at that time. And so if they front load their day with physical activity and then mid-morning to mid-afternoon, you know, deep work, and then later in the day socializing, and then the latest part of the day, 8 to 10 p.m., man cave, which is their sort of menstrual 
moment, right? Where they just need to be isolated and alone. That's a good day for a dude. And then it's rinse and repeat every, every day, right? And then if you go to bed by 10, you make the most testosterone that you need to make, et cetera, et cetera. Super good. This provides lots of conflict between the genders though, right? Because in the sense that let's say you're in your ovulatory phase and your testosterone surging all day long for a few days and you're interested in sex at 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night, your male partner's like, okay, I could, but it's not optimal for them. Meanwhile, they might be knocking on the door at 6 a.m. and you're like, I need a nap, right? So you know, it's just, it's interesting and it requires a little bit of compassionate navigation and compromise when we're talking about how do we interact with each other beyond sex, beyond, you know, and that's again, the, the partner sync, it's all, it's all mapped out for you there in the partner sync feature of the MyFlow app. Um, so that's, that's very specific to men. For women, you know, I've often been asked in interviews, well, what's the perfect morning routine for women? And I said, well, it depends on which phase of the cycle we're in. You know, if we're talking about the first half of the cycle, follicular and ovulatory phase, um, then, you know, early morning stuff is great. Go ahead, do your workout in the morning. Your your resting cortisol levels are lower. Your blood sugar is just naturally a little bit more stable because you require fewer calories during these two phases. So you could go and do a workout in the morning and feel pretty good afterwards. If you do that in the second half of the cycle and you're doing the wrong types of workouts, aka cardio or HIIT workouts in the morning, resting cortisol is already elevated. You need more calories in these phases, in these two phases, the, the luteal and the menstrual phases. And if you work out on an empty stomach, you're going to be just jacking up the cortisol, disrupting insulin, and you will feel terrible the whole day. You know, it's not ideal to wake up and do that in the morning, right? So it, but in the luteal phase, progesterone is, you know, in huge concentration in your brain chemistry. So you're calm, centered, and focused. Get up and do your deep work. Maybe do maybe a little meditation, maybe a little stretching, but get right to it because that's what you're going to be in the mood to do. And then take a body break when you feel energized, maybe after lunch, after you have your nice stable blood sugar, you know, working for you, do a 2.30, 3 o'clock workout if you can or a lunchtime workout, right? Have a little snack, keep your blood sugar stable and, and don't do any cardio. You're going to do just heavy strength training, right? Slow and steady, heavy strength training. You could do heavy Pilates, but nothing where you're like, bouncing around, mm. so to speak. And, uh, and, and it becomes very easy to start re- planning your life in this dynamic way, right? And that's the thing. You have to sort of let go of the idea that there's this one perfect day the one perfect schedule, the one perfect diet, the one perfect calorie amount, the one perfect workout at the perfect time of day. And if I could just be that girl that has this perfect day every day, like clockwork, then I would be my best self and have my dream life. No, I am here to tell you, hell no, that is not how it's going to go down. You need to let that go and you need to embrace a new word. Let's get rid of same mm. and static. And I want you to gra- feel this word, live into this word, dynamic, because that is how your hormones are. They change all the time. And that is the life that you want. You desperately want a life that is dynamic and exciting and changing because you're always interested in new things. As you go through the cycle, your brain changes 25% over the course of the month. You are a multi-passionate entrepreneur or whoever you are, whatever you're doing. Embrace 
the dynamic self that you are, and that's how you build a dynamic life. A hundred percent, period. All the puns intended all the time when I say period. Um, (laughs) So there you go. Let's get rid of the static. That works for dudes. If you have female hormones, dynamic self-care equals great health equals a dynamic life. And so what we're talking about here is everything that you're saying, essentially the infradian rhythm, is that like the infradian rhythm includes all four stages of our cycle? So the infradian rhythm is the biological rhythm in your body that governs the timing of these responses, right? So let's let's use something we already understand, which is the circadian rhythm, right? So it's too simplistic to say that the circadian rhythm only governs your sleep-wake cycle. We know that it governs way more. It governs the timing of when your bowels are the most active, when they're the least active. This is very useful. Can you imagine if you're trying to get your deep REM sleep and you just all of a sudden are woken up with the urge to have your bowel movement? I mean, this would be catastrophic for your well-being. So, And then it's also about blood pressure timing and all sorts of things that take place in the body. There's a nice uh, sort of conductor style energy that the circadian rhythm is keeping the timing of lots of different functions of the body. So everything has a time and space. The infradian rhythm also kind of governs this cyclical pattern that we experience over the course of these four phases, but it goes well beyond when you're ovulating and when you're bleeding. That's too simplistic as well. So I mentioned these brain changes, right? We, in, in 1996, Dr. Catherine Woolley at Northwestern University discovered that the brain changes in women during their cycle up to 25%. So the way you approach things creatively is a little bit different. We can kind of go into that specifically, which hormone ratios are doing what in the brain. It affects your metabolism. We, we've already kind of broken that down, and it's, this is all covered in the book in great detail. But you know, the first half of your cycle, your metabolism is slightly slower. Second half of your metabol of your cycle, metabolism is slightly faster, which is why you need more calories in the luteal phase, right? And why if you restrict calories like you think you're supposed to, you actually worsen PMS, you disrupt blood sugar more, you can create deficiencies with your progesterone, you can affect your fertility. I mean, it's no good, right? Even if you think you want to try to have this willpower and continue to restrict calories, it's damaging your health and it will not get you the gains in, let's say, weight management if that's why you're motivated to try to do it at all. Again, I've lost 50 pounds twice, once when I recovered from my PCOS and the second time after my pregnancy. And what I'll tell you is that I did it without restricting and without excessive working out. I did it by using the cycle syncing method, of course, because what would I do any other thing while I have a cycle, right? There's no other way to do your self-care when you have a cycle. There really just isn't. Once you stop having your cycle and you're postmenopausal, when I'm postmenopausal, you will find me intermittent fasting and heavy strength training all day, every day, same every day, because the studies show that that's what's optimal. And that's what the form of my self-care will match my biology, my biological needs at that time, right? So this is just so important. It's Using our logic is what I think is really important as opposed to just Ill- illogically saying, well, it's never worked for me before, but I'm going to just keep restricting my calories because I've heard somewhere that that's what I'm supposed to do because I'm a woman. You know, no, just let, again, we have to unearth this negative conditioning with mythology that's just not rooted in science and put in the correct information and start acting accordingly. So that's on the metabolism front. It affects your immune response. 
as well. So let's also just pull call out that um, more women suffer from autoimmune diseases than men. And I would sort of postulate that this massive, ongoing, undiscussed infradian rhythm disruption is not helping that situation in any way, shape, or form, right? Because if men are supporting their test, you know, their sort of 24-hour testosterone cycle, right, and their hormone pattern every day, and their rates of hormone issues, weight issues, mood issues, um, libido issues, fertility issues, autoimmune issues are less, you know, there stands to reason that if we start supporting our infradian rhythm, we could start seeing those types of statistics drop as well, individually and collectively. Um, it also affects your stress response system. As I mentioned, resting cortisol levels are lower in the first half, higher in the second half. So all of these things then dictate what it is that's needed, right? And then it goes on and on. And of course, it affects the timing of when things are happening in the cycle, right? So that you're not ovulating every day, or, you know, your libido is, a, is you, you, our libido is different throughout the cycle. It's another thing I'm very passionate about yeah. talking about. And I'll just, just, Put that, I mean, it's a whole, it needs a whole other conversation. But what I will say is that I was shocked and dismayed that 60% of women are sexually unsatisfied. But I wasn't surprised because when you look at the fact that we don't understand our infradian rhythm and its impact on our libido and its pattern, of course, we just assume based on the narrative that we've inherited that's very toxic from pornography that was created by men, right? that we believe that we should be wet, ready to go, and climaxing in under three minutes, which mm -hmm. has no reality in your physiological response. And then, of course, layer on to that, your hormonal pattern, right, where you are in the cycle, the testosterone concentration, estrogen concentrations, definitely drive lubrication patterns, which are not the same every day or every phase, which definitely drive and dictate what types of foreplay you need and how much you will need to achieve your optimal orgasmic experience. And that's so important because orgasm, not climax, the orgasmic plateau, which you can learn about in the book, so there's a whole chapter dedicated to this, is, is a huge hormonal health balancing tool, right? If you want to, I mean, people always ask me, what's the one supplement you would take to a deserted <laughs> island? I'd be like, probably just some lube. <laughs> You know, because if I could source my climax on, a, on my orgasmic plateau on a regular basis, I know that I could boost my immune system, support mm -hmm. my skin health, support regular ovulation, keep myself, my mood boosted, right? All of those things come from the 8,000 nerve endings in your clitoris. It's such an, it's, it's the ultimate biohack for women our orgasm. And, and men are super like biohacking guys are uh, the ones that I've talked to. They're really into this for themselves. Or, you know, I'm sure you've heard of some of them talking about how they're, you know, abstaining from ejaculating and why that's beneficial to them. Well, for women, we don't have to abstain. Okay. More is more. The more you have orgasmic plateau, the longer you stay in that phase before climax, which you achieve by using the edging technique, which I describe in the book, you achieve massive hormonal health benefits. So you've got to know how much foreplay you need. You've got to know where you are in your cycle. You've got to start to communicate that with your partner so that you can get 
all the benefits of that. And of course, you got to do it for yourself too. And jumping in there, I know there's so much we can dig into here, but at a super high level, can you kind of walk through the connection between our sexual satisfaction and infradian rhythm? I know you briefly chatted about it, but within- Yeah. So if you look at the four phases, right, you're talking about um, when you're going to feel naturally, let's say, interested in sex, which is going to be during, let's say, ovulation in the first half of the luteal phase when testosterone levels are at their highest and when estrogen levels are at their highest, you're going to be the most interested in sex with another person and that that you're going to require the least amount of foreplay during this time and you're in a naturally wet phase. So the least amount of outside lubricant needs to be brought in. So this is sort of the the, the period of the cycle, these these two weeks where you don't need as much, right? But in the follicular phase, the second half of the luteal phase where estrogen and progesterone drop off precipitously and the bleeding week, these are all dry phases, right? You may still have some lubrication in the second half of the luteal phase. So technically speaking, follicular and menstrual are the dry phases, but oftentimes women start to feel that they're not as lubricated in the last half of the luteal phase, and that's okay. So these are dry phases, so you have to bring lube to the party 100%. Waiting for you to yourself to get lubricated is painful because if you're being stimulated by yourself or your partner or, or a device, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. And then there's nothing like 8,000 nerve endings being uncomfortable for you to feel like, you know what, maybe I just don't want to do this right now, right? Mm. So lubrication is a requirement before any activity takes place in those two phases. And you could say, gee, but if I'm in my menstrual phase and I'm bleeding, I'm, there's, that's wet, right? No, menstrual blood, any kind of blood, if you get a cut, right? As soon as it's exposed to air, what happens to that? It starts forming, you know, it's like sticky, tacky, uncomfortable, right? So you need lube in both of these phases. Um, and then because there's no testosterone and very low estrogen in those phases, your desire is lower. That does not mean that you don't want to do it or you should not do it. It just means that to source desire is not going to be driven, let's say, from that testosterone-estrogen surge combo it's going to be driven by something else. So that could be you reading some erotic literature. That could be you doing something fun and new with your partner, like going on a hike and re reminiscing on your first date. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you're smooching on the side of the mountain. And then, yeah, you want to go home and you're interested and you're in the mood. But it's not going to be driven by that internal hormonal, you know, sort of level. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it's about. It's really about, again, matching the activities to help you source your desire and achieve your, your pleasure in each of the phases. I mean, there's so much to say, but that's sort of like at the highest level, what I can quickly give you. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to intermittent fasting, if that's okay. Um, I am a new mom. And so I have been unintentionally intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating most days of the week, you get up in the morning and taking care of all the baby's needs. And I've noticed, uh, I've not ever been one to skip breakfast or anything like that, but in the past probably almost a year now, um, I've been noticing some really kind of negative changes that have come with just this unintentional skipping of breakfast, holding on to fats, things like visceral fat popping up in places that I never yeah. had yeah. that before. Um, just feeling more like hangry and this blood sugar roller coaster. And so I really want to break down for anybody who's in their reproductive years, like because I've personally seen how damaging it has been for me, 
you know, what what do women go through when they're intermittent fasting in those reproductive years? Well, that's what I sort of brought to the book in terms of research, which was that it's the exact opposite of all the benefits that are sort of promoted for intermittent fasting. So you will hold on to, you could gain weight, it can disrupt your thyroid, it can disrupt ovulation, it can disrupt your mood, it can disrupt your cognitive function, it can shrink your ovaries. Like this is not something that you should be doing, right? You can do the golden fast, which is that sort of 12 to 13 hour fast overnight. And that's it. You know, if you wanted to get away with a little bit of an extended fast, you could do that in the follicular and ovulatory phases when your caloric intake requirement is lower, but not beyond that. Yeah. I was listening to your to your interview with my brother and when I read your book and how you your cycle was off track kind of from age, was it 12 to 22? And I know with a lot of, uh, with a lot of situations with, with PCOS, those changes are happening very early on with young girls who are 12, 13, 14 years old. And maybe in that situation, they're just like, go to their, maybe they go to their doctor, maybe they don't, who knows, they kind of put up with it. And they say, or they get put on birth control, or they're just they just think, oh, something's just wrong with me, and they're living with an irregular cycle for years and years and years. So, if we could talk about that PCOS component too, because a lot of our audience has that, and how it can start super early. So, if there are young, if there are women who are listening to this who have daughters who have irregular cycles, what is your advice to them? Well, I think. If you are a a parent, a mom, a father of a young girl, you need to understand that puberty begins in the brain at nine, just like perimenopause begins in the brain at 35, right? There are these very slow, gentle shifts in the pituitary gland that start talking to the ovaries in slow ways so that, you know, all of a sudden you don't wake up overnight fully formed as a woman, right? It's a slow process. And that's important, right? For example, my my daughter is about to be eight. And I, you know, she's exposed to kids at school who are eating very differently from how we eat. And she's like, you know, I want that stuff. And I said, okay, well, let's just talk about what, why we eat the way we eat, right? Because I said, I have seven years between the age of seven and 14, because our bodies are cellularly remade every seven years, right? So I have seven years from your age seven to your age 14 to nourish your cells and your endocrine system with the right building blocks to help you go through this big transition that she's aware of because she has older cousins, right? And of course, because she has me as a mom, um, that's going to take place around that age. I said, so what you eat today is going to make the body that you get to live in from 14 to 21. And she's like, oh. So I said, it's okay to have some, you know, junky things from time to time, but our, you know, 90% of the time we're going to eat the way that our bodies require, right? So for example, we were having a whole conversation, we've changed her breakfast because I've noticed that she's doesn't like a lot of breakfast and then she's crashing, you know, her blood sugar is just not stable, right? So this morning she had a piece of um, whole grain bread that I cooked in butter, copious amounts of butter. I put um, sauteed bison and onions on top of it and I melted a piece of goat cheese and I served it with sauerkraut and sliced apples. She gobbled this down and she'll be good till lunch, right? 
So, and I said to her, I said, I want you to pay attention. How do you feel 30 minutes after you eat this lunch, breakfast? And then how do you feel by lunchtime? She's like, okay. So I'm having her start to build this relationship with herself at seven and eight with self-reflection of how does food make me feel? Because really, if we want to set our daughters up for success in puberty, we got to start talking to them about their relationship with their bodies, their responsibility to care for their bodies at seven in age and stage appropriate ways. I have not talked to her about her period yet. Uh, We'll get there when it's time. But right now it's about what is your poop telling you? Do you need more water? Do you need more vegetables? Right? What is this? How is this food making you feel? What? Our carbohydrates, how many should, you know, how much, what's sugar, what's an okay carbohydrate. We're just sort of like learning about basics of good self-managed nutrition so that she is confident. And then when I layer on teaching her how to cycle sync her diet and I feed her those foods because I'm going to be responsible for the cooking, she'll know why she's eating certain things at certain times. And it'll be a fun thing to look forward to as opposed to what so many, we just leave our girls to fend for themselves. We don't teach them anything. We don't get them excited about what's going to happen. It's extraordinary what happens to a woman, right? That, and all these superpowers that she has and all the special cognitive gifts that are given each cycle, each phase of the cycle. The fact that you 3D print an organ every month, the endometrium, you can 3D print a human if you want and their organs. I mean, we are the most efficient extractor of nutrients compared to males, right? We, we have a stronger immune system, a more densely networked brain, we just better natural leaders. I mean, like I outlined this in detail in, I think it was chapter two of the book, In the Flow. I just want women to recognize that the fact that we've been told some negative things about our period is one thing, and that has its own impact to recover from, but we've also just had this negative impact impact from omission, right? These facts, these are just, everybody in the scientific community is aware of these facts, but they're not part of our cultural conversation. And this omission of the fact that you are a very powerful biological creature, right? By design, not being told that has an impact. If you were told from a young age, you have an extraordinary body because of your female hormones, right? You would maybe have a different opinion of yourself. Maybe you'd think about the world and your role in it in a different way, right? So I think it's important that we start layering in these conversations and caring for our children's you know, hormone systems from a young age and being sensitive to that. So I go out of my way to make sure that there's no chemicals in the house, in our cleaning products. We eat organic. I make her wackadoodle things like the thing I just described for breakfast. You know, we don't, she does not have, there's no cereal for breakfast in her house, right? Um, We pack school lunches, even though, you know, she would rather have tater tots, right? She eats what we give her for now, and that's fine. Um, And I teach her to feel excited about all these different things that she can be learning about as she gets older. And so, you know, I just think it's important that we, um, learn ourselves as parents and support support our girls as much as we can. Yeah, thank you for joining us. It was really great to connect and hopefully we can chat soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.